I invite you into this time of prayer as we breathe in and breathe out. We sing and we pray and ask that the Holy Spirit come and be with us as we reimagine and we engage with God's imagination. And Jeanette um, will read the prayer as we sing and then we pray and then we sing again. I invite you to be present right where you are in the space that we are in together. by you, imagined by you, formed in your image, created by your love. We often forget that we are creatures of imaginative potential, of creativity, that our imaginations like yours can be generative and life-giving, useful to your kingdom. We often forget that our assumptions about you are limited by our experience here, by words on a page, by culture and tradition, by ego, by our smallness. But with these starting points and with imagination, we can let go of assuming and move closer to you. We struggle because we only know things that you are like, like water, like bread, like wind, like a parent, like a king. But we know that these are incomplete comparisons. Nothing we know can define you. We pause now and open our minds to the fullness of God, of which we can contain only a little at a time, a portion that gives us life and makes us hungry and thirsty for more, fueling our imaginations. This is what we ask for, to be able to move past what we can see, feel, taste, touch, and hear with our mortal bodies toward a new horizon, a new reality, a kingdom you are imagining and inviting us to imagine and embody. Amen. Good morning, friends. 
Can you hear me okay? Thumbs up. Excellent. Well, it is so great to be with you all. Uh, for those of you uh, whom I haven't met, my name is Alan Ewing Merrill. And I have to say, it's a great joy to be able to share this message this morning, in part because uh, today coincides with a rather, uh, shall we say, momentous occasion in my life. Uh, today is the last day of my 40s. Tomorrow I celebrate my birthday and it's the big 5-0. I'm not sure exactly how that happened because it seems like I was just bracing myself for 40 and I blinked and tomorrow it's 50. So friends, you are hearing the very last message I will ever share in my 40s. And I'm hoping it's not all downhill from here. Please tell me, those of you who have made it to 50 or surpassed 50. It gets better, excellent. That's it exactly what I wanted to hear. Thank you. Um, but as, as we were singing songs this morning, and I'm not sure who it is that is uh, spotlighting different uh, people as we sing so that we get to see and wave to one another. But as, as that was happening this morning and we were scrolling through the various faces, I found myself just filled with so much gratitude because I love this community and I love all of you and it's really hard to be uh, separated from all of you physically and it brings me such joy and gratitude to see your faces when we gather together like this on Sunday mornings. So as I prepare to celebrate my 50th birthday, I'm just really grateful for this community and for all of you. The decade birthdays always feel kind of big, don't you agree? Um, but there's something about the birthdays that divide easily into a fraction of a century that make them feel particularly momentous. Every now and then it's good to pause. And a birthday is a good opportunity to do that. To reflect back on your life's journey, to kind of map its contours, uh, to name intentionally the things for which you are grateful to sit reflectively with places of regret or pain or struggle, to offer up to God with gratitude for all that has been, for all of it, the good and the not so good, for all of it is part of life's journey and all of it forms us and shapes us into the people that we are and the people that God calls us to be. And then to look forward and to think about our hopes and dreams for the future, maybe even some goals for the next decade or two, to reimagine, to offer up the future as well for all that will be with gratitude, with hope, with trust in the God whose love has been our strength each day of our past, the God whose love is our constant companion in each present moment, the God whose love will be our hope and our guide as we embrace the future. It's good to pause, to reimagine individually. And it's good to do that collectively as well, which is kind of what this worship series is about. So here's how Sarah and Ophelia have shaped this series. If you had all the building blocks for a new world, what would you build? The pandemics of COVID-19 and white supremacy have revealed that many of our systems, institutions, and ideas aren't holding up the way we thought they might. But what if this moment is also a sacred opportunity to reimagine ourselves and our communities? During these weeks, we're exploring holy imagination and what could be on the other end of this moment. So I'm gonna share a few thoughts about that. And as I do, I, I want to encourage you, if you want to, if you find it meaningful, to go ahead and use the chat box if you want to um, share a comment, a thought, a question. I can't guarantee I'll see it immediately, but you're welcome to use that chat box as kind of a place of of conversation and reflection as, as we're journeying together. Now, last week, Margaret Menger shared a, a wonderful message inviting us to consider a strategic framework for reimagining. 
a framework that includes mission, vision, core values, strategies, and goals, but also one that returns again and again to scripture and that calls us to listen, to, to really listen to God in prayer, trusting that God will reveal to us God's deepest desires if we are listening and paying attention. Now, Jesus, who never made it to age 40, just for the record, was preaching and teaching about the things that mattered the most, trying to help his followers reimagine, even 2,000 years ago, trying to help them to reimagine what their life together might be. When a legal expert tried to trip him up, now here's the exchange reading from the gospel according to Mark, and I'm reading from a version of the message called, a version of the Bible called the message. One of the religion scholars came up. Hearing this lively exchange of question and answer and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put in his question, which is most important of all the commandments? Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Maybe you know that is with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. This is a passage of, of sacred text that was very familiar to Jesus and his contemporaries, often called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus said, and the second, and here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. The religion scholar said, a wonderful answer teacher, so lucid and accurate that God is one and there is no other. And loving God with all passion and intelligence and energy and loving others as well as you love yourself, why that's better than all the offerings and sacrifices put together. When Jesus realized how insightful he was, he said, you're almost there, right on the border of God's kingdom. And after that, no one else dared to ask a question. I love this passage. It's found in several of the gospels in different uh, variations. It's the lead in to the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan in one of the gospels where Jesus reminds us that our neighbor is everyone. There are no exceptions to that rule. And when I reimagine, when I think about what a post pandemic world might look like, when I consider this sacred opportunity that we have to assemble and reassemble the building blocks for a new world, I keep coming back to these words of Jesus. What would it look like to live in a world characterized by love for God and love for neighbor? A world where we loved God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength, with everything we have or as Eugene Peterson interprets it in the message, with all our passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And where we loved our neighbors, all our neighbors, every other human being with whom we share the planet uh, without exception, as well as we love ourselves. And how would that translate into our love for the earth and our love for every living thing? How would that change our values and our priorities and our behaviors? When the religion scholar imagines it, Jesus says, you're almost there, right on the border of God's kingdom. This week, America laid to rest one of its great heroes, Congressman John Lewis. I hope some of you had a chance to watch at least pieces of the beautiful, moving funeral service held in his honor at the famous Ebenezer Baptist Church, the church of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King in Atlanta. There were so many inspiring moments in that service, but equally inspiring were the words of Congressman Lewis himself in a letter that he wrote 
to be shared on the day of his funeral. Maybe some of you had a chance to read this. He ends that letter by saying, though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence is the more excellent way. And now it is your turn to let freedom ring. When historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burden of hate at last, and that peace finally triumphed over violence aggression and war. So I say to you, walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. What a way to reimagine, to reimagine what could be in this broken and hurting world. We need, we need the words of Jesus calling us to love God and love our neighbors. And we need the words of these great teachers and leaders, those of the past and those of the present to guide us as we reimagine. One evening this past week, as part of my work with the BTS Center, we had the incredible blessing to host an online conversation. This was the first in our summer art series. It was a conversation with visual artist, Rob Shetterly, who has painted portraits of 230 prophetic leaders, truth tellers, champions of social and environmental justice as part of a project that he calls Americans Who Tell the Truth. And he was in conversation this week with the subject of one of his portraits, environmental scientist, uh, indigenous leader and acclaimed author, Robin Wall Kimmerer whose book Braiding Sweetgrass is one of the most beautiful and profound books I've read in a long time. In her talk, uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer, who teaches, are we together? Oops. Who teaches environmental and forest biology at the State University of New York. Uh, one of the things that she said, drawing from her indigenous wisdom as a member of the Potawatomi Nation, she said that we are embedded in an economic capitalist system that tells us again and again that we don't have enough so that we will keep consuming. Consumption, she said, is what drives climate change, and so many of the other problems that we find ourselves in in this moment. But gratitude, she said, gratitude puts the brakes on consumption. I love the way she said this. Gratitude puts the brakes on consumption. Statistically, she said, people who are grateful consume less than those who aren't. People who are grateful consume less than those who aren't. In an inventory of gratitude, she said, you feel wealthy. You come to realize that you have everything you need. It's already here through the generosity and abundance of Mother Earth, who is, in her words, unstintingly generous. These words are especially true, of course, for comfortable middle-class Americans, and she had a lot more to say about that, um, and about how uh, we cultivate a sense of gratitude even in times of hardship or devastation. But still, I think that wisdom seems important as we think about reimagining. The truth is, we are never going back to normal, even though there's such a strong impulse to do so. We're never going back to normal because in life, going back isn't a thing. We are always moving forward to some new reality. And that's good. 
we shouldn't try to go back to normal, whatever that was, because so much about normal wasn't working, certainly not for everyone. And I think we're seeing that clearly, especially in this COVID-19 world, if we're paying attention. But the good news is we can build a new world. So what I'm reimagining then is a world where we begin and end with love for God, with all our passion and prayer and intelligence and energy and love for our neighbors, all our neighbors, every other human being without exception, just as we love ourselves. A world where that love extends to the earth and to every living thing. A world where all are protected and no one is deprived of adequate food or clean water or shelter. A world where a deeply rooted practice of gratitude compels us to put the brakes on consumption and to share the riches of creation so that everyone can enjoy them. A world where people of diverse backgrounds and life experiences and countries of origin and sexual orientations and gender identities and racial and ethnic identities all embrace one another with mutual respect and equity. A world where peace is built with justice and justice is guided by love. That's what I reimagine. And I believe this world is possible. This is the kingdom of God that Jesus told us to seek first. But to get there, it's going to take all of us working together. Our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. All the faith we can muster and our complete commitment to the work of bending the arc of the moral universe toward justice. Bishop Stephen Charleston, who is a retired bishop in the Episcopal tradition, retired bishop of the Diocese of Alaska, has some encouraging words that I'll end with. He writes, I do not pretend to know why you and I were chosen to live during these days of pandemic and national struggle. Is, is it by accident or on purpose? Is there some lesson we are to learn or some example that we are to embody? I'm not sure. All I know is that we are here and here we will stay until the virus retreats and the community recovers. In this way, we will be witnesses to a vast time of change. We will be part of that change. The choices we make now, the way we conduct ourselves, the paths we decide to follow, they will all be remembered. They will determine the future, perhaps for generations to come. Therefore, as long as we are in this great shift of reality, let us make our mark together. Let us lean toward the just, the compassionate and the sacred. Let us walk in dignity with hope for a better world. We may not understand all the reasons why, but let us be the best we can be for those who will come after us. Those who will see our lives in the memories we are making. The memories we call human history. May it be so. Amen. We're going to do uh, Hosea, Nina Craig Power, Irish singer. Hosea wrote this song about it not being enough to know about an issue or injustice. It's the action we take that counts. And the names uh, listed in the chorus are singers who inspired him by boldly singing songs of protest.
not the waking, it's the rising. It is the grounding of the foot uncompromising. It's not for going up the line, it's not the opening of eyes. It's not the waking, it's the rising. It's not the shade we should be cast in. It's the light and it's the obstacle that casts it. It's the heat that drives the light. It's the fire it ignites. It's not the waking, it's the rising. It's not the song, it is the singing. It is the heaven of the human spirit. sharing of Jesus life and we remember all those who have come before us and in the light of the song that Carolyn and Martin shared inspired by the words of Wucher let us remember Jesus cried power Miriam cried power Esther cried power, and we cry power. Peter cried power, Deborah cried power, Elijah cried power. 
It's not the waking, it's the rising. It's the heat that drives the light. It's the fire it ignites. It's not the song, it is the singing. It's the heaven of a human spirit ringing. Dr. King cried power. John Lewis cried power. Emma Gonzalez cried power. And we could cry power. Oscar Romero cried power. Greta Thunberg cried power. Shane Claiborne cried power. It's not the war, but what's behind it. Lord, the fear of one another is so common. There are so many things that were denied and those things keep up the divide. It's not our waking, it's our rising. May we rise and not just wake. And we should cry power. Power has been cried by those stronger than us. Power is love when love reaches us. Jesus cried power when he offered the gifts of bread and wine to his friends. And he told them that he would lay down his life for them. He said, no one takes my life from me. I give it up willingly. I have the power to give it up and the power to receive it back again, just as my father commanded me to do. And so we receive that power to take Jesus' life up again in these gifts of food and drink that we share from wherever we are, but know that they connect us in a powerful way to use the power that we have, the power that God has given us. Jesus shares his power with us through these gifts. I invite you to pray with me. God, we long for your power to be with us. We long for your empowerment to be with us, especially when we feel powerless. Remind us through the sharing of our prayers and the sharing of these gifts that we are not alone, that we dwell in your power. Bless our communion, our food and drink. May they be filled with your power. We lift to you all that is broken in us and in our world, knowing that you hold it in the palm of your hand. We give you thanks for all the joy that flows through our community, even joy in the midst of chaos and sorrow. We lift our hearts to you and remember all that we have learned from Jesus, including the power that he gave us when he taught us to pray like him. Today in words interpreted by Jonathan Wright Gray. Abba in heaven, here now. May the reality of who you are be kept sacred for all to find. May your impassioned desire for us and all creation become a reality outwardly, as it already is within the bosom of your love. Nourish us with your love, enough to see us through this day. Release us from whatever it is within us that pulls us away from our purpose, just as we let go of the harm others have done to us. Nudge us away from paths that lead in the wrong direction, and guard us from harm beyond our control. For the vision of what we will become belongs to you. The love that gives us being belongs to you. And the awesome beauty that shines through all creation belongs to you, here, now, always. Amen. Let us in our many places receive the gift of God, the bread of heaven. Let us in our many places receive the gift of God, the cup of blessing.
I invite you to share those gifts with those that you are gathered with. And if you are alone, to imagine, imagine that we are sharing these gifts with one another. invite you to pray with me. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery through which you have given yourself and your power to us. May we be present in the world in the strength of your spirit and give ourselves for others in the way of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>